So last week we began a study on the person of Christ. Uh, Specifically last week we looked at um, Christ's virgin birth, like the miraculous birth of Christ, and and we started um, digging into what it means for Him to have been born with a human body. Uh, We kind of wrapped that up this uh, last week. Um, We didn't quite get through everything that I'd had listed for us to, so we're going to try to wrap that up this week. So um, three kind of remaining points that I want us to dig into today, kind of carry over from last week, is that Christ had a human mind, and I want us to look at some scripture uh, related to that, that Christ had a human spirit and emotions. Um, we're going to dig into that a little bit, and then I want us to consider that that Matthew chapter 13, verse 53 through 58, particular passage of text, whenever um, I read it, I'm, I'm amazed by it, because it tells me Christ lived a pretty normal life up to the point of, of kind of where we see him come on the scene and in his last couple of years of ministry there. Um, and I think that's very interesting. There's a lot of practical takeaways for me whenever I consider um, that Christ glorified God in, in all things, and that included the day-to-day grind that, that most of us probably find ourselves in come Monday morning. Um, whenever I think about Christ living life as, as a normal person, being considered, hey, isn't that Mary's boy? Isn't that... The carpenter's son, isn't he a carpenter? Like, what's he doing here? Like, that, that we can glorify God and, and God be satisfied in the lives we live, even when we look at the lives that we live and it seems normal and ordinary. There's, there's something there um, that just really encourages me. This morning, let's start with um, the idea, like, digging into Christ having a, a human mind verse. Um, or Luke chapter 2, if you would flip with me to Luke chapter 2. And we kind of spoke on this a little bit last week. There's a couple of overlapping uh, places in the text. Um, when we think about his body and we think about his mind, there's, there's going to be some, some really close correlations there. So Luke chapter 2, verse 52. I want us to think about this. Um, and there's some things that I see, like whenever I look at this and whenever I look at the next passage of text that, that we have here, these are going to be, these are some that for me, like I wrestle with, right? Like, is Christ all knowing? Is he all knowing? Is he omniscient? Like, if he's God, he is, right? Right? So, like, he must be. Um, but then we find passages of text like this, um, verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom, wisdom, and stature and favor with God. So he increased in what? What was the what's the first word that's used there? He increased in wisdom. So he grew in wisdom. How could the all-knowing, all-wise grow in wisdom? Right? Like, what does that even mean? So, like, as I consider this, there, like, I want to be real with you that there are parts of this that it's like I don't I don't know that I can give you an answer that's going to satisfy you. Uh, because I can't find an answer that always satisfies me in this. Like as far as the hows and the whys, like we see in Scripture very clear evidence that God is or that Christ is um, all-knowing, right? Like He knows who His betrayer is, 
right? Before he betrays him, he knows that he will. He knows what Peter. He knows Peter will deny him, and this is before it ever happens, right? Now you could potentially say, like, well, maybe he just was really keen on dialing into Old Testament scripture, and he just got lucky on the guy that each one of these particular things would line up with, but I think that 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 text instead shows that he was fully aware that he could at the very least tap in to that um, to his um, that all knowing that he didn't necessarily like as he was a baby in the womb um, you know know how physics work that as an that as an adult um, he could tap into a greater um, understanding of, of all of those things. Um, so here's here's in 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 John chapter two verse fifty two we see that scripture also speaks of him increasing in wisdom. Now if we look at uh, Hebrews chapter five verse eight, so flip with me to the book of Hebrews. We're going to flip around a little bit this morning. Um, <coughs> Hebrews chapter five verse eight. So again, this God who's all-knowing, we find in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, uh, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Right? So he's fully God, completely God, and he's also completely man because he's experiencing life in a way that's that's common and well-known to us. Like, we learn obedience, right? Like, you're not... You're not coming out of the womb and, and your parents telling you, hey, go pick up groceries at the store. Like These are response, responsibilities that are placed on us as we grow, as we learn. Right? So like in the same way as Christ grew as a child, grew into adulthood, he could take on more responsibility. Um, this, this shows, this shows an increase in our ability to understand. It shows likewise that his mind grew in knowledge and wisdom. Like he, when, one of the things that I consider, like was, could Christ wield scripture well? Could he? Yeah. Right? He could. Right? Now was this a miraculous thing? Was it miraculous that he could handle the book well? Like, there's a part of us that there's a part of us that would like to say yes. There. Well, there's a part of us that would like to say yes because we like to think that for Jesus everything came came easy, right? But here's the here's the reality: is that how did Jesus learn to read? The same way you learn to read, right? You work at it. So for him to be able to read the book, he had to what? Put in work. He first had to learn to read, and then he had to learn to understand words as they're chained together. He had to he had to do what with his mind? He had as a young man. Would it be like like if he's five? Would it be just as easy for him to understand the text at five years old, ha- having you know a couple of a couple of years under his belt at most, or would it be easier for him to understand the text as a grown man, having spent years in it? Like, when would you expect him to be able to handle it better, as a thirty-year-old or as a as a six-year-old? As a thirty-year-old, right? So, like, let let's get this that just as as we have to spend time to be good at understanding the book, Jesus spent time. Right? 
So, like, how many of you struggle? Maybe don't enjoy reading. Maybe, maybe, like, if I were to if I were to ask you to raise your hand, you'd be like, "Yeah, I don't read it as much as I as I should." Right? I think that like you think you're probably the minority, but you're not. You're probably in the overwhelming majority of people. Like most people, do not enjoy reading or spending time reading, and that's probably because we don't read enough. Because it's easier for us to get input via like passive means you turn the tv on and it's it's kind of fed into you reading's more active in its in its effort so we don't enjoy it because it's more it's more work right that work that you have to do for christ to be able to quote scripture he had to work to quote scripture right so like if he's growing in wisdom He's growing in his understanding of how to apply the things that he knows the same way for us, right? So Christ has experienced the hardships that you face. Like when you're like, I'm not today, Lord, and, and you're like, he probably got no idea what I'm talking about today. Like if Christ was, was like, had, had had a long day, he felt a long day, Right? Like he's growing tired. We, we, we see that last week as we're spending time there. What happens is you grow tired. Your mind doesn't work as well, right? You're not as sharp mentally. Like Christ is facing similar types of experiences as you and I as he's diving in. Like if he's at the end of a long day, like his mind, like he needs a little caffeine too. <laughs> I mean, I've got my, I've got my energy drink here because it was, a late night. What? I, I just wondered if he ever started reading the scriptures and said, "No, that's not exactly what I said." Get Moses. On. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, we got to clear this. We got to clear this up just a little bit. <laughs> I can, pro- I can promise you this. Had that been the case, he would have made note, and it would probably be footnoted in the New Testament, right? Jesus is like, just FYI, Isaiah chapter 53, verse, you know, not what I meant to say there. <laughs> the good news is, the good news is, is the same one who was writing the book and inspiring in the old is the one who's reading it. Follow me here. Who's reading it in the new. Right? Like, think, think about that. Yes. So the same God who has inspired it is is made himself flesh, has has taken on the human experience such that the same way that you read it and learn to read it and grow in your love for it as you do so, so too did he. Right? Like he knows that struggle about when you don't know this word and what this word means and you have to go dig to find out. Right? But your Savior, the one who you know more by spending more time in the book, knows what it's like to have to learn to do the things that we learn to do. Right? I wonder if that wisdom means like as parents, we try to put ourselves in our kids' shoes hmm. and understand what they're going through and how yeah. they're interpreting it. And as he's reading it as a human, he's like, oh, okay, so this is what they're understanding. Is. Let yeah. Me clarify. You know, yeah. Let me preach this so that they understand. Yeah. So, so there's a really amazing thing that happens as 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 God takes on flesh, right? So I can tell you 
what the color blue looks like. I can try to describe it. I can give you all these details. But if you've never seen the color blue, you can have a perfect understanding of what it is without ever having experienced it. Right? Same thing with lots of, with lots of things that we experience in life. Like there's, I could describe to you what it's like to be me, but you will never know firsthand what it's like to be me. Right? When we stand before God, the God who judges us will not be a God that we can look to and say, yeah, 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 you may know it, but you don't know it. Right? Like, and I'm kind of gripping at the heart of myself when I say that, right? No, no, no. He knows the human experience because He's taken it on for Himself, right? Like, He knows what you're going through. And when I say He knows what you're going through, it's not simply that He knows what the color blue ought to look like, right? He's seen it, right? He's experienced it. He's put Himself in it. This is, this is a crazy thing to consider, and there's lots of difficulties. Like, as we wrestle with these things, there's lots of difficulties. Let's not, like, let's not ignore the topic altogether just because we run into things that are difficult for us to understand or maybe explain fully. Um, let's be real that, that this, this fully God, fully man thing that Scripture speaks clearly as being reality is not an easy thing for us to describe, right? So when we run into these places where it's like, is He all-knowing? Yes. Well, how is it that He learns and grows in obedience, right? Like, those are things that it should... Like, as I'm looking at that, I'm like, it's like, that's interesting. It's interesting. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, he needed to grow in his capabilities, right? Just like, just like each and every one of us. Like, you, there's certain things that five-year-olds can't do, right? It's just physically impossible for them to do. And then, as they grow, like that same person who couldn't grows to a point that they could. Right? The same thing when it comes to like obedience, like when scripture says that he grew in obedience. Like it's like a five year old, you can't explain certain concepts to a five year old. Right? Like they haven't grown. Yeah, they're going to be like, huh? Like what? I don't even get what you're saying. Like there's certain things that it just wouldn't be appropriate to even try to explain to a five year old. Right? But as Christ grew, he could then take on more weight mentally, more weight emotionally. So what it's like when we when I see these things, what this means is that Christ grew into these things, matured into these things, and as the time was right, took them on without wavering or faltering, right? That's not like it's so he didn't have like his wayward teenage years, right? Or his rebellious years. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, if I, if I tell my three year old not to do something, and she rebels, she knows 
she's rebelling. Right? How do I know this? Because she goes and hides. Right? Doesn't she? Like, she knows. Like, like my, my, my ten-year-old, right? Like, there's certain things that it's like, technically, it's not a sin to, like, go get chocolate out of the pantry or anything like that. Right? But it's like, she, if she knows that it's something that her parents would be like, no, girl, you ain't getting that, you ain't getting that Twix. <laughs> and then my, my wife's cleaning up her room and she finds, like, <laughs> half a dozen candy wrappers, right? It's like, oh. So here's what's going on, right? So Jesus, see, so here's the here's the thing that here's the thing that we know is that Christ, as He's growing into those things, right? Like if 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 we go with a two year old to a public place that's supposed to be quiet, right? Y'all know this. Y'all probably all experienced this. Like you're gonna go out on a date, you're a new parent, you you're like maybe they'll stay quiet today, and they don't. Who's that on? Is that on the baby? No. You took them there. You should have knew. You should have known better. They had not grown into that place where you'd be like, shh. Right? So it's like, it, 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 what I'm not saying is that at two, Jesus was that baby that didn't cry. Right? What I'm saying is that as he grew to those points where it's like, now it's an expectation for this type of behavior, he stepped into that. Right? So like Jesus, and that's why like like whenever I think about like as we grow into adulthood, like we go through particular phases where like you've got your and everybody knows them. Like you've got rebellious teenagers, like parents don't know what they're talking about, right? Like Jesus did not experience that. Parents don't know what they're talking about, right? Like all of those places where we grow into those things, and then we find ourselves failing as we grow and mature into it. He grew and mature into it perfectly. Right. Yes. 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 So we 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 by our nature rebel against those things. So like if you could lay out like a human development chart from baby to adult, and every one of those milestones, when we hit those milestones, there's things that by our nature we will do wrong. Right. Every step along the way. Not for Christ. So as Christ grew and matured, He grew like He was. No doubt His brothers and sisters looked at Him as the one who never did a thing wrong for His parents. Right? Like no doubt. Why? Because He grew in maturity and as He grew into that, He lived it. And He's now the older brother. Right? So He's going through those things. And now, now Mary's like got her other kids coming along and no doubt in her mind she was like Jesus was perfect here I have got no clue what y'all are doing here and what happens when that happens is all of the other siblings are going to be like no man Jesus gets some special kind of thing like you're going to have a little bit of resentment so when he comes on the scene and starts saying I'm God now <laughs> right what's going to happen you're like oh no it's full blown we got this full blown God complex that Jesus has he never did anything wrong as a kid so as a as a as a brother or sibling of Jesus are you going to believe are you going to believe it or are you probably going to be at a place in your heart where you're like not another thing, man. Like you've just gone too far now, Jesus. It's one thing. It's one thing when mom asks you to do stuff and you always make mom happy. You never, right? You never do anything wrong. It's a whole other thing when you now come and say that you're God, right? 
So it's like now you've gone too far. And we find his siblings have very similar reactions to that. Like that, that would be expected if you've got a kid that does no wrong. And then finally it's like, oh, okay, you're God now. <laughs> Makes sense. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so... Jesus growing in maturity, growing in, um, he's growing in his uh, ability to take on more responsibility. There's a couple of things. Let's, let's look now at John chapter 12. Let's look at verse 27. So, when we think about Christ taking on human spirit and emotions. Um, we can see this throughout Scripture um, that Christ has taken on. Like, like let's let's read this, right? So, who who here um, has worried or been troubled in spirit, right? Who's experienced time in life where you've been a little anxious or stressed, where the weight of the moment you felt it, right? So Jesus says, Now my soul is troubled. But what shall I say, Father? Say, or, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Right now. Now when we, when we think about Christ's experience, I want us to consider, consider this. Right? Like as we consider, like what would, it, would any of you in the, in that moment be like, I want to die now? Right? He knew what was coming. He knew he knew what was taking place. Right? Yeah, it wasn't as though he felt no pain. Right? Knowing that this is coming, what happens to you if you know, like you here today? You've got cancer. Right? What happens? Like, what does your body do? You like that comes from a very primal place in you, right? If a gunman comes in here, no one says you got to be scared now, right? No one says it. Your body reacts. That's the human experience. When pressure comes, it does not matter. It does not matter. And this is what I like. So, like, let's take like speaking publicly. How many of you like to speak publicly? Speak in front of people. Like, stand up like this. Nobody. Nobody. Do you think that I do? Do you think that, like, this is the most against my nature that I can tell you, right? So do you think that I don't feel that pressure? Huh? So, so what happens? What then allows me to do this? There's something that, that presses in, right? This is the same thing that we're seeing Jesus experience here. Like, His body says, no, man. No. Run, hide, just like yours does. If you knew death was knocking, your body reacts. Get this. And what do you like? You, I've heard Dustin say it. I've I've said it. You preach to yourself, right? You've you've heard us say that. You need to preach to yourself. This is why it's important to be in Scripture. You can preach to yourself. You can tell yourself truth. Like your body reacts in like a primal way. That's where fear comes. From that, it's a natural reaction to external stimulus. Your reaction to that can be fully driven by that primal urge, or your mind can step in and you can think and reason. Right? 
So, so Christ is experiencing fully that primal fear that comes upon you when you get scared, stressed. Life is heavy on you. But what is he doing, right? Like, what would he? Does he want to die? No. Clearly, clearly, no one wants to just die. My soul is troubled. Why? Because he knows death is coming. And and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. What would you say? I don't want to die. Like I'm not looking for this. But what what is it like? So we we get to see this in our Savior that He experienced those moments in the same way that we experience those moments. This ain't like Superman bulletproof kind of like if you knew like He here's what's crazy. He's been preaching that He's coming back, right? He's been preaching that He's coming back. He's been telling them. You destroy the temple and I'll raise it. Right? Like, like all of this stuff, he knows. Yet still his body reacts the same way that when stresses press on us, our bodies react, and he fights back with what he knows to be true. And he places his hope in the Father. Right? This is what he's doing here. My soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose... I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice from heaven, I've glorified it. And I will glorify it again. Like Christ steps into these moments. And he's the, he's the good son, right? Like he's the one that does not fail. He's the one that we're, if we were placed in that moment in the garden, we're looking for ways out and we're not looking for the Father to be, to be glorified. Right? We're the brothers that's like, okay, Jesus is going to do it right again. You know, we're going to have some resentment to it. But Jesus does it right. He steps into that moment. It's not without pressure. It's not without stress. It's not without the weight of the moment. Jesus did not get nailed to the cross and feel nothing in that. Right? Like the same rejection and embarrassment and shame that you would feel if someone stripped you of all your clothes, made you carry a cross, and nailed you to it. The same shame He felt. Right? Like He's experienced this. So let's, let's, go, let's go on. So here, my soul is troubled, verse 27. Let's look at uh, John chapter 13, verse 21. So, John chapter 13, verse 21. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Alright, so I want a couple of things here. Um, let's, let's actually let's look at the reaction of the disciples. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, for whom Jesus loved, was reclined at the table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter mentioned to him to ask Jesus to whom he was speaking. Right. So Jesus is is troubled, like the time is growing near. Um, again, we see so trouble before. He's troubled here, and he says so. Out of this, he says, "Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me." A couple of things that I want us to to understand out of this. When did Jesus know that he was going to be betrayed? Was it in this moment? Was it in this moment? No, no, no. When Jesus was selecting his friends to follow him, he knew who would betray him. Right? 
He knew who would betray Him. When He said to them, follow Me, He knew who it would be. Right? So, you imagine if you knew your betrayer. So, I want us to look at a couple of like aspects when we think about how Jesus handled these, this type of knowledge, this type of understanding, this type of stress on His life. You ima- let's imagine that I knew Dustin was going to betray me in three years. I knew it. With, let's say I knew it without a doubt. Dustin was going to betray me. How would I start acting today? Would any of you doubt that there would... You would probably be like, hey, what's going on between you and Dustin? Like, why is there... Is there something... Is this, you'd notice it. You'd see it. Right? You'd see in the way that I treated him. Because I'm going to distance myself from him. If I know he's doing me... Like, I'm going to back away. Like, you're not getting invites to the house. Like, we ain't going to... Well, there's no bro time. We're going to have no lunches. Like, none of that. Right? Like, I'm not going to, like... Talk to you in class. I'm like, oh, there's Dustin in the back. <laughs> like, you're, every one of you would notice it, right? So, like, let's imagine three years plays out. Y'all see it for three years. Y'all know there's something going on. And then I'm here and I'm like, hey, somebody's going to betray me today. What would y'all say? It's Dustin! It's Dustin! That's why he's been acting like that all this time, right? Because who we are, that's how we act. In this moment, Jesus is troubled in his spirit. One of you will betray me. And what do they say? Judas knew it. No. They're like, who is it? Who is it? What does this tell us about who he is and how he treats people? There was no favoritism at any point. He loved all of them, even his betrayer, to the very end. Yeah. So consider this. Consider this. In that in that scenario where I know three years from now Dustin's going to betray me, am I going to be hurt three years from now? No, no, I'm not going to be hurt. You know why I'm not going to be hurt? Because I'm going to have separated myself. The moment that I knew he would betray me is when you're dead, right? Because that's that's how we are as humans, right? So when that moment comes, I knew it was coming. I distanced myself from that moment. It's not trouble in my heart. I knew it was coming. Right? Christ knew it was coming. And yet still it troubled His heart. Think about what it means for like the, the type of friendship that it is to have the Lord. Like the ones who betray Him, it troubles His heart that they do so. Even when He's got full knowledge of it. See, and he even he knew he knew the complete outcome of this, right? Like he knew what would happen to the very end, to the last moment, right? The whole time he knows what's going to happen. His his soul, his heart is troubled. His spirit is troubled. Let's let's go on. Matthew chapter twenty six. Flip with me to Matthew chapter twenty six. So Jesus is fully human. He's experiencing life um, fully and completely. All the ups, all the downs. We get to see how He reacts to these type things. We get a clear picture of how He's so much different than us in the way that we would react in those things. So, uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 38. 
And then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. How many of you have been stressed to the max? Right? How many of you have been so sorrowful, so, like the weight of the moment, been so heavy that you felt as though you would die from it? And you feel alone in that. Right? Like those moments, that weight has a tendency of separating you from everyone else because no one knows how it feels, right? No one knows this feeling. Your Savior, believer, and this is a, there should be a great hope in this, your Savior knows more deeply than you can ever imagine your experience. Right? He's not someone who is afar off. Christ knows what it's like for the pressure of the moment to make you so sorrowful that you feel as though you would die. Right? Then he said to them, he's speaking to his friends, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Like he understands where you are, believer. If you find yourself in, in sorrow that is so deep that death seems better, like Christ knows that feeling. Your Savior can sympathize with you where you are. We oftentimes think it would be better if he would just take us out of this, right? Like take me out of this moment. Jesus is going to do one better. He's not only will he one day remove you from that, right? But he's stepped down into it with you. Like that's the reality of of Christ taking on flesh is that he's not a, he's not like just a superhero that's like let me get you up and out, but he steps down in to pull you out, right? Like he stepped down into this. John chapter 11, verse 35. Flip with me to John chapter 11. We've all, we all know this story. Um, I'm just going to read kind of the this little piece here. I mean, so Jesus... They said, so Lazarus has died, right? Um, they're all worried and troubled, and you know, it's like, Jesus, if you'd have been here, he'd be alive still. And Jesus has been preaching to them who he was and what was coming, and he knew how close that moment was. Um, and still, he finds himself here um, looking at, at this moment, and it brings him to tears, right? Like, knowing that he's about to say, get up, and he's going to get up, right? Like, that there's no chance that he says, Lazarus, get up, and Lazarus stays dead, right? So Jesus, the experience that Jesus had was one that moved him to tears, right? Whether it be their lack of faith in the work that he would do, whether it be his knowledge of what was coming, right? Like, what happens when the one who calls those up from the dead is the one who's dead? Right? If you're sorrowful when the resurrection walks among you, then how sorrowful will you be when you think that he has died? 
Right? Like, no matter what it is that's causing him to weep here, it's him weeping for those he cares dearly about. Right? Jesus experienced the human experience. He knows what it's like to care um, for those um, around him. He knows what it's like to see them troubled, to see them worried, and that press in on him. Right? Like, like I, I'm like this, and my son is very much like this. Like, it's like if he sees someone hurting, like, he hurts, right? Like, I I don't, it must be genetic or something is all I can figure. But it's like he very much, like, feels the pain of other people, right? Like, he empathizes well, right? Like, like Jesus was, was like this. Like, when he saw the hurt of others, he felt for them, right? He could feel the pain. And here's the thing, like not just from a distance, again, he's the one who stepped into this creation that he's that he's made, right? Jesus also felt a sense of wonder in the same way that we uh, have a sense of wonder. Matthew chapter 8. Um, we've got a couple of minutes left, so I'm going to try to get through two more passages of text, or at least one more. Uh, so Matthew chapter 8. Let's look at verse 10 here. Uh, actually, yeah, we'll just look at verse 10. So um, go back and read to kind of get the full experience here. But this guy this guy that's come up uh, has shown a great deal of belief and of faith in who Jesus is and what Jesus could do. Um, and he, he, he asked Jesus, and Jesus is going to follow through. And Jesus just kind of set back. Right uh, at the amount of faith that this guy has, um, and and so we get we get this um, here. So, actually, I'm going to go back to verse five. This is a pretty this is a pretty cool story. So when he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, "Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly." And he said to him, "I will come and heal him." But the centurion replied, "Lord, I am not worthy to have you come." under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. And this is what, like, the, so the centurion gives you what it is that he believes about who Christ is and what he says here following this. For I, too, am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. So Jesus knew this moment was coming, right? Like Jesus is all-knowing. He sees this play out, and He has a sense of wonder about it, right? Scripture says He marveled and said to those who who followed Him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. Right? So Christ is seeing this man's belief, his faith, and it causes, it stirs in him a sense of wonder. So he's experienced the good and the bad of life, right? Like he, he knows what it's like to, to sit back in a moment and be like, How cool is this? He also knows the flip side of that, right? There's no place in life that we can find ourselves that Christ has not experienced those experiences, right? There's no feeling that you have in your spirit, soul, mind that He cannot relate with. 
Not because we describe to him what the color blue looks like, but because he's experienced. He's seen. Like, like you don't have a Savior who's far off from you. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's look here. We'll kind of wrap up with this. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So uh, when we think about all that Christ has done, all that Christ has experienced, this, these two passages of text here in Hebrews do a wonderful job of summarizing why that should bring us so much hope and joy, right? Because the one who we call on, the one who's at the right hand of the Father, right? Our great high priest is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, right? We don't say, I'm going through this, and him like, I know it in my head, but I don't, I've never experienced it directly. No, no, no. He's taken on our weakness, right? It's not one who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. There is no way in which we've been tempted in which life has pressed us or stressed us or put a load on us that Christ cannot sympathize with because He Himself has experienced those experiences. And yet, where we break, He does not break. Right? In every temptation, He was without sin. In verse 16, Let us then, so knowing this, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Right? It's because we know who He is and what He's done and and that He's taken on our weakness that, that when we come to Him, He knows firsthand what we're saying that we can, that we can with confidence draw near. Right? We don't have to hide. We don't have to hide. We don't have to hide from especially the Lord. Yes. Yes. He stepped into this so that, so that we could have this reality here in verse 6. That we can draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because Christ took on flesh, right? Because He's fully human and fully God. He can take a unique seat on that throne of grace. So that when we find ourselves in need of mercy, in need of grace, in need of help, that we call on a brother who will respond to us, right? Like that's a that is a great confidence for us, and and I hope as we kind of continue pressing um, into this, um, that that we have as an outcome of this. Like when I think about this class and what I want to come out of this particular study for us. I want us to understand what Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 means. Like, I want it to have some practical, I want legs to come from this, um, a foundation on which we can stand, 
that that we can uh, come confidently to the God who knows everything about us and has experienced life and can relate to us, right? Um, so we'll we'll close out with that, and then uh, next week we'll just kind of pick up we'll pick up from there.